0: Without any further ado, we're going to be reading from Acts 16, 9 through 15. And uh, our sermon title is, of course, Forward, Advancing the uh, Cause. You're going to read about that advancing today. And how we do it here, most people know, we stand as we read. The words will be up there. If you want to use the Bible in front of you to follow along and make sure I don't steer us wrong, that'll be on page 921 in your Bible. You're welcome to, so stand. I'm going to read out loud. You follow along. At the end, I'll say, this is the word of God, and we'll all say, thanks be to God. So, that night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there, pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we, that would be Paul, Silas, and Luke, decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. We boarded a ship at Troas and sent straight across to the island of Samothrace. And the next day we landed at Neapolis. From there we reached Philippia, a major city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a river bank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. And we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I'm a true believer in the Lord, she said, Come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. <laughs> right? Isn't that a good hostess right there? Uh huh. This is the word of the Lord. You. you can be seated. God, we invite you today to have your way in us. Um, God, sometimes this passage sounds a little bit more like a travel brochure than it does um, a spirited message, but God, would you open up what you have for us today, and would you meet us and stir our hearts as we follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. So our passage today is about one of Paul's missionary journeys. And uh, like I said in my, I just prayed, it sounds more like a travel documentary than a motivational speech, but there are some really good things for us. And as I was reading and preparing this week, I kept thinking back in my mind to the first missionary trip that I ever took. Uh, it was in 1991. I was about 24 years old. Um, and I found myself on a very small plane, about a 12-seater plane, and I was flying over the Caribbean Ocean, low enough that you could see the um, sunken islands that were there. and You could see the waves in the ocean. The pilot could open his window. We were so low, and the fresh air would come in. The day before, I'd left from L.A., said goodbye to my parents, gotten on the plane, flown to Florida, slept in a hotel all by myself, and the next day, here I am, making my way, by myself, with people that spoke a different language in the airplane, a few said pleasantries, but basically, it was a quiet flight. As we turned the plane to make the landing in Capation, Haiti, I looked as the plane landed and there were soldiers with guns strapped on their backs and they stood all around the airfield and they were just kind of walking around the perimeter and I thought, hmm, I'm not at home anymore. (laughs) You climb out of the airplane, all 12 of us kind of collect our bags and we start and make our way to these wooden tables that stand between us and the terminal. Two big black men, in matching soldier uniforms, were there to greet every one of the um, passengers. And I watched the people in front of me. I wanted to see what they did. They looked like they'd done this before. And they put their suitcase up on this table, and they start putting their passport. Well, I'd done enough traveling. I knew this was probably their customs. I'm like, OK, good, I know how to do this. So at my turn, I take my suitcases, I put them on the table, hand them my passport, and they say to me, open your suitcases. Well, I was planning to be there for three months. I was a young woman, and so I'd packed everything, my clothes, my bedding, all of my toiletries, all of the supplies that a young woman needs for three months. And these two big guys start looking through everything in my suitcases and ask me, what are you doing, where are you going? And I'm just like, okay, Lord, gulp, quick prayer, and we go forward. I was kind of embarrassed, you know, I was young, what did I know? But I got through, and I began to pack up my bags, and I made my way into the uh, terminal, and I thought, okay, there should be someone here waiting for me. I'm looking around for someone with my sign, with my name, someone to say, Michelle, Michelle. Nobody. I watch all the other people get picked up and carried off, and I realize there's nobody here for me. I turn and I watch the airplane that brought me start to take off. And I know there's no more airplanes until tomorrow. No one to come and go from that airport until that charter comes back the next day. And I'm all alone. So the man in the airport starts to say to me in his Creole and broken English, and me not understanding a word he's saying, we begin to communicate. Why are you here? Where are you going? And finally, he calls to the hospital. Now, these are the days before internet, before cell phones. We did things by snail mail then, and the mission board I went with had sent the letter. They should have known I was coming, but they forgot. They call the hospital and they send someone to get me. They say, go to the hotel locally, we'll pick you up there. I have no local money, I don't know the language, and they put me in a taxi cab, and I go, gulp, Deep breath, please, Jesus, I trust, and I get in the taxi cab, and off I go. I get to the hotel, I wait what seems an eternity, and someone comes to meet me, and they welcome me. They speak English, they have a reliable used car, we speed our way through the countryside to the hospital. First day as a missionary, and I began to wonder as I sat there in the taxi, and in the hotel waiting. Did I hear you right, God? Was this really what you had in store for me? And I think missionary journeys can sometimes make us feel that nervous. We think, oh gosh, if they're going to talk about missions, I'm hiding. I don't want God to ask me to go. What if I get left alone somewhere? And maybe Paul had some of that as he was beginning a missionary journey in our story today. So, Of course, Paul starts and um, our passage that today opens with him getting a vision. That's really good, he had confirmation that he was going in the right direction, but his vision came in the night and um, it was a Macedonian man. Now, we're in this season of Easter, right? And so we've been talking about the forward advancing of the cause. And the amazing thing about Easter is that Christ rose from the dead and he changed these people's lives. And Paul is one of those people that we've been watching God change the lives of people. Paul's one of them. So our Acts story is kind of read like um, the trilogy, The Lord of the Rings. I don't know if you guys are epic saga kind of folks, but the book of Acts is kind of like that. You have all these people, and they all start taking these different journeys, and they start having these different adventures. And one time you'll follow Peter, and then you'll follow Paul, and then you'll follow another person as they're making their way, and God is weaving together his story, his epic story in the book of Acts. So Danny preached a couple weeks ago about Paul and how he met Jesus on the road. And he had that conversion, and it radically changed him. Then James, the last two weeks, talked about Peter. And Peter raised Tabitha from the dead. And then the Holy Spirit was poured out on Gentiles, and people started coming to know Christ who weren't even Jewish. Amazing stories of radical change. And that's what the book of Acts is about. It's what our Easter gives to us. It gives us that um, radical change. We have hope, we have a purpose. We're involved in an epic journey of our own. So the story opens with Paul and this vision. And the word vision here is not like a regular nighttime dream or nightmare like you have when you have bad pizza. Um, It's not a state of being in a trance, but it is a word that describes how God sometimes communicates in the book of Acts. And I believe he still communicates this way sometimes today. It refers to a... Hmm. Oh, there we go. Usually through an angel or heavenly messenger, and it's often during a time of prayer or seeking God. And uh, if you missed those last two, three weeks of Danny and James preaching, I highly recommend you go back. You'll catch up on all the details. But um, it's a great way to kind of go, how has God been working? And this week... Paul has this vision, and it says in verses 9 and 10, a man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing and pleading, come over to Macedonia and help us. Talk about clear directions and an obvious call to go on a missions trip. That's it. Don't we all wish we had that kind of direct confirmation from God all the time? I love the response of Paul and his companions in verse 10. They said, We decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Yay! Well, this is not Paul's first missionary journey. The book of Acts actually recounts three separate missionary trips. I'm going to have you put up that map if you can. Hopefully you guys can see it. So as you've And when I think about Paul's missionary journeys, I'm like, oh my goodness, how can I remember which one's which one? Um, But this one I was looking at and learning. Okay, I'm gonna try my, my red pointer here. So this missionary journey, Paul's second, is sort of this orange line, and it goes up here and around over here. So what's interesting is, the first missionary journey was with Barnabas, And they went mostly through um, Judean area to make converts who were Jews previously. And then after that whole meeting with Peter and they decided that the Gentiles indeed were gonna be welcomed and Peter had that vision of the um, cloth lowered with the animals from last week, that's when Paul starts to take off. But he and Barnabas have a disagreement. Suddenly Barnabas wants to go one direction and Paul wants to go another direction because they can't agree on who should go with them. Even godly people disagree, and God still used it. So Barnabas went one direction, and Paul went another. And so this is Paul's journey, and they start up, and they go over here, and before we get to our passage, they're trying to make their way up here. And I really wish that our lectionary would have included verses 6 through 8, because it says that Paul wanted to go up here to this area. Let's see here. There's my laser up here in Asia. I don't know if you guys can see that, that yellow area. And God kept saying no. Twice Paul tried to go in and witness and share the gospel in that area and God said no. Isn't that interesting to you? And sometimes don't we have a vision or a dream from God and it doesn't happen like we think it should and we go, huh, well, did I hear God wrong? What did I miss? And then we get over to about here, and that is where the Macedonian man appears to Paul and says, go over to this other place, over here, to Macedonia. And Paul's like, whew, I guess I did hear God write. I guess we're going in the right direction. Well, they arrive in Philippi, and Luke, as he is writing here, doesn't just pick random words to describe the city. And, you know, as we're reading along, it kind of sounds like that uh, narrative, we boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight to the island of Samothrace. And by the way, I had to look look up and listen to all those words. Um, I didn't pronounce them all right, but I want you to know when you're reading and you're thinking, I have to pronounce all these strange words. It's a little intimidating, but I'm glad you all went with me. We landed in Neapolis, and from there we went to Philippi. And what? luke uses here to describe the roman city of um, philippi is important first off it's the leading city it's the first one you come to Um, and so it was big it would have been kind of rich there would have been plenty of people living there but more importantly it was a roman colony and because it sort of lay on the outskirts of the roman empire rome was pretty smart they said all you retired soldiers." We're going to give you free land, right there, in that there Philippi. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been around retired military folk. Scott's grandfather was retired military. They never forget how to be in charge. (laughs) Ever. They always know what to do, and they help everyone else do it. And so Rome was smart, and they placed these Roman retired soldiers there, sort of as a protection, as a presence, to say, Rome is here. So the city ran like Roman. It had Roman language. It had Roman culture, Roman government. um, And the people that went there would know this is a Roman outpost. Well, I think what's interesting is that Paul was the missionary that arrived there. And Paul was Jewish and Roman citizen. And that meant he knew how the world worked there. He knew what to look for, he knew the language, he knew the rules, and he kinda knew what the feel would be of the city. And isn't that gracious that God would pick, would pick Paul on purpose, would equip him with what he needed to be the missionary in that place? And I think it's great that God picks each one of us as his missionaries and equips us and puts us specifically where we're supposed to be to be the missionaries to the people we know and the situations God calls us to. Well, a couple days after he'd been there and kind of walked around the city, because it was a Roman city, there probably weren't a lot of Jewish men there, and there weren't enough people, especially Jewish men, that you could have a synagogue now, on Paul's first missionary journey, he would look for synagogues, and he would show up there, and he would sit down, and they would talk about the, um, Christ. They would talk about Jesus dying and rising, and people would be converted that way. There was nothing like that in this city. So he did the next best thing. If there were people that were sort of of a Jewish tradition, they would meet at the riverbanks, and they would pray there. And so Paul, on the Sabbath, goes out there, hoping and expecting that there will be people who are God-fearers, and that they can meet with them and begin to have a conversation. Sure enough, they show up, and here is a group of women. I'm so glad, Michelle, that you were the host today and I get to preach. (laughs) Right? It was a group of women. Um, Different scholars have different theories. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to say rah-rah women. That's not my thing. Um, But there they were. And Paul And Silas and Luke sat down. And that's the Jewish sign of being a rabbi and a teacher. And they began to talk with the women. And miraculously, something happens. Did you catch it? It was that God opened Lydia's heart. And she understood and she believed it's right there. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying, verse 14. God did a miraculous preparation. God brought Paul to this city, took him to the river, and there was Lydia. Now, remember I said I wish they'd put those other verses in? This is why. And I don't know if all of this is exactly true, but here's Philippi where Lydia was. And over here uh, is one of those cities that she was from right there. the very area that God had said, don't go there. It was the area that they knew how to make purple cloth, and Lydia had this great skill. She'd taken it to Philippi, where all those Roman soldiers were. They loved the color purple because it said royalty, and I'm really great and rich and wonderful. And she was making a living as a businesswoman, an important person in the community, and she was from the very area that God said, don't go there. Isn't that amazing? Even though Paul had thought that this is where I need to go, this is what God is leading me to, God said, no, I have a different way. And as the story unfolded, Lydia, from that area, came to Christ. Now this is the last time Lydia will be mentioned in the Bible, so it's only conjecture to say that um, she might have gone back or had family visit and the gospel spread that way. I don't know, but I kind of like to imagine that happening. But we're not here to imagine, we're here to study. So... I want us to talk just a little bit about lydia Um, like i said she was a dealer in purple cloth and she was a gentile just like cornelius was from the week before right and the gospel came to her in this miraculous opening of her heart it's the same word open that is used of jesus on the road to emmaus with the disciples when they're walking along and Jesus is talking and suddenly their hearts are opened and they understand. Now, I don't know, have you ever had a situation or an occurrence when you've been talking to someone and it's like this sudden opening of a conversation about God? But a number of years ago, um, when we were in Tennessee, our kids were little, I was working at the hospital um, and I'd worked with this woman named Tammy. She was blonde, vivacious, She was not shy, she was a hard worker. She had been previous military, and in the military she'd learned to scrub uh, in with the doctors in the operating room. And she was well-liked, well-loved, and she was a go-getter kind of gal. One day I'm sitting in the break room quietly eating my lunch. It's kind of an empty lunch room at that moment. Suddenly through the door comes Tammy, and she says, I need to find someone who can lead me in a Bible study. And she just sort of announces it to the room. And I'm like, gulp, deep breath, quick prayer, look around, who's here? I can help you with that. I know how to do Bible study. What do you want to know? And she said, oh, well, uh, I, I have these other people that I really want to invite, and I think we should do a Bible study, and I, I you can do that? Yeah, when do you want to meet? Well, she tried to collect her posse, and we could get together. It ended up just being the two of us. We opened God's word every other week for about a year. Her heart legitimately was open. I didn't do anything. I didn't say anything. It wasn't magic. I just showed up. And God created a way, and she came to know Christ She moved away about a year later, but I follow her on Facebook. We sometimes will kind of communicate back and forth. She's got two kids. They're involved in a church. Her path may look different to God than mine, but she is following Christ. Praise be to God. God works that way. He opens people's hearts. Are we ready? If that happened to us today, would we say, I can help with that? What do you want to know? God opened Lydia's heart. And after she accepted, she and her household were baptized. And she asked us to be her guests. And she said, if you agree I'm a true believer, and we giggled at this earlier, come and stay at my home. The miraculous opening of her heart and accepting led to the salvation of her entire household, and it led to her being hospitable in a generous and amazing way. And because Paul went and stayed with them, it was that recognition that as Gentiles, they were welcome in the family of God. This is the first person in Philippi that responded to the gospel. Now, the next week, we're going to hear about some more And this group of people that responded to the gospel becomes the church of Philippians. And this is the group of people that Paul writes to, and he says later in life, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ. It is right that I should feel this way about you, for you have a special place in my heart. Lydia is the first convert in a brand new church, a brand new work of God in people that necessarily didn't speak um, or understand Hebrew. They didn't come from that heritage. They had different culture. She had different culture coming from Asia. God was doing a miraculous and spectacular thing. She was a woman a non-Jewish woman, successful businesswoman, and God called her and began to establish a work. I'm not going to spoil next week for you, but come back, you'll get to see what else God's doing in the city of Philippi. But today, our passage shows us that God is at work. God welcomes and deeply desires people of all backgrounds to come to him. As we look around our Sanctuary this morning, as we think about the community we live in, um, our city, our state, our world, there are lots of different kinds of people. We come from different places. We have different ethnicity, different languages, different socioeconomic levels. God is here to invite everyone. God guides and gives direction to his followers to be involved in this missionary process. We see that here in this passage. Paul is directed over and over by God. Even in the no's, even in the disagreements, God is at work guiding and directing. God's mission is to reach people with the good news. Jesus died. He was raised. That resurrection enables us to live transformed, new, free, free, you fill in the blank, grace-filled, loving, victorious, sometimes challenging, victorious lives, radically changed by the resurrection and person of Jesus. And Paul, like Jesus, like the other disciples, they went around the country preaching. That may not be what we're called to do exactly, but we each have places that we work families that we live in, neighborhoods that we reside in, schools we attend, baseball fields we sit at, whatever. We are called to go there, and maybe even called to go somewhere else in the world, do business in a foreign country, take a trip as a short-term missionary or go a long time. And last of all, God is the one who opens the hearts of people to receive the good news. Are we praying and expecting that? are we looking for it? I began our time telling you about my first day on a short term mission trip. Like Paul, I went in response to the call that I had sensed. I learned that God was present even when the journey was different than I thought it would be. I saw God calling people and working in people's lives in situations different than mine. He changed my life and he changed their lives. And God is still in the missionary business today. Sometimes I look back at the young me and I wonder, how did I have the courage to do that? I guess I was young. But I look at the me now and say, do I still have that same courage to go where God asks me? Or am I afraid? Am I too comfortable? Am I whatever? Can we still hear God's call and respond in obedience like Paul immediately getting up and going? Today, God is calling us to reach across cultural and ethnic boundaries and to find opportunity to do his work in unexpected places. Maybe a foreign country, maybe with students or neighbors from other lands, or maybe a person from another socioeconomic situation. What is God inviting you to do? What is God inviting, who is God inviting you to speak to? Will you say yes to God today, no matter what he asks you to do? And will you join God in the forward advancing of the resurrection story? Let us pray. God, our Father, I thank you for your guidance. I thank you for your involvement, for the fact that you take geographical locations and make them come to life. I thank you that you open people's hearts like Lydia and like Tammy and like each of us in this room and that you open us to receive your word and your call. God, this morning I come and ask that you would release us from any fear we might have of answering the call that you give to us to be missionaries. Set us free from the busy schedule so that we can sense where you're leading us. Guide us, help us take advantage of the situations that do present ourselves or themselves to us, um, like Tammy did, and say, I can help with that. God, we want to see your kingdom advance like Max had said earlier. And so we ask that this morning, as we're just studying the epic journey of you through Acts, that we would know we still have a place in your epic journey and you are still advancing the gospel and moving you are still the god that does miracles and we invite you to work in our lives and our world we honor you we praise you we welcome you we love you in jesus name we pray amen